and welcome to the Hack Your Mindset podcast with me, Jenny Winterleach, the Mindset Hacker. So wherever you are today and whatever it is you're doing while you're listening to this, settle in and enjoy the ride. Hi everyone and welcome to another awesome episode here of uh, the Flying Changes show. Um, I have got Tony Hopton with me. Hi Tony. Hi. Tony's here to tell us all about lots of things, but um, particularly his uh, company Equidance and how it came to be. And Tony, you've got a very interesting story to tell us of the twists and turns and the things that happened to get you here. Yeah, absolutely. I haven't always been into equestrianism at all. In fact, I was scared of horses when I was a kid. So... Oh, okay. And are you still? <laughs> no, I've fallen deeply in love with them now. Oh. And, and I know that Kelly's listening over there somewhere. So yeah, I really, really love them. Oh, right. Okay. If she wasn't listening. <laughs> no, I love them. I actually do. Yeah. It's, they're just fantastic. I think they're, they're a bit of a drug, aren't they? Um, mm. Once you connect yourself with a horse and you, you work out what wonderful animals they are, um, then it's like only a dog, isn't it? You just, you're either doggy or non-doggy, or you're either horsey or non-horsey, I think. And I was definitely horsey, just waiting to be. Oh, amazing. Cool. Okay. So let's, Tell us a little bit about what you do, and then, by all means, tell us some of your story of how you got to where you are today. Then. Cool. Well, um, some of you may know that I um, basically run Equidance with uh, Mrs. Equidance, Kelly Jewell. And Equidance is a company that uh, arranges music for freestyle, uh, kind of internationally now, um, which is great, really good fun. But you kind of uh, get to do all sorts of things within that as well. But we'll talk a bit, bit about that later on. Uh, how did I get here? Well, um, as I said, I wasn't horsey uh, ever. In fact, uh, I wouldn't have gone anywhere near a horse until I met my wife, Kelly Jewell. Um, and it actually goes all the way back to our first date uh, where um, uh, I've been down to, she was in Cornwall. We met online, isn't it sweet? Met online, I was in Western Supermare, she was in Cornwall. In, in Redruth, near Redruth. And uh, I arranged to come down and take her out for a meal. But um, the first date was actually, I had to go to the yard with her to meet her horse, special, big gray mare. Now, uh, special to me, she's 16 one. That to me is dinosaur, it's huge. I mean, I was just like, never really had any contact with horses up close. So um, she's uh, in the stable getting a, a hay net and uh, special, is trying to push her way out of the door that's slightly open. And so I'm like, uh, Kelly, your horse is trying to get out of the stable. She goes, oh, don't worry, just just push her back in on the chest. And I'm like, <laughs> you got me having a laugh. So I, I did, I just pushed her back into the into the stable and there I was, uh, a king of horses. I was the horse whisperer immediately. So yeah, that was kind of like the early bit really to my introduction into horses. Uh, at the time, uh, I was a record producer, so um, I still do make the occasional record, even though recording studios are shutting left, right and centre everywhere these days. But I owned a recording studio for several years and uh, I sound engineered through my teenage and 20s and then started producing records through my 30s. So I had a long stint in the music business, um, but come near the end of that, I was teaching on a degree course, a lecturer in uh, music production, uh, which was okay but it's not very challenging. It was a uh, subcontract work <coughs> part-time, not very challenging, um, just uh, interesting, fun to watch people come through the education system, but it wasn't, it wasn't pressing my buttons. Um, and in the meantime, Kelly had been riding, of course, and she rode dressage, 
which I was starting to take an interest in. And she said to me, ah, they do this to music, you know. And I honestly, I'd never seen anything. I may have heard about CDJ at some point in time in the Olympics, but not really taken any notice of it or thought about the music production for it. So she took me up to Hartbury to, uh, I think it was the Festival of Dressage at the time, but it was a gala evening, so Grand Prix. Uh, so I was really looking forward to watching the Grand Prix anyway, uh, uh, the freestyle occurs, um, but with music, um, which was very interesting because uh, I sat there and my jaw just sort of dropped the first horse that came out. And I was like, what is this music? It's like I'm stuck in Woolworths and a lift in 1974. I was, I was not impressed. I thought, does, does music have to sound like this for horses? Or what, what's going on? At this point, Kelly's tugging my arm saying, shut up, people can hear you. So yeah, that was the, the first mistake I made. But yeah, so I just thought, my goodness me, so much more could be done with the music. I mean, so I went and found out about it. Uh, and then I stalked a couple of Grand Prix riders um, and to get an opportunity to arrange some music. And I didn't know about all the levels and I didn't know anything about dressage, really. I didn't know anything about horses at all. Uh, I've had to learn that lexicon uh, rapidly over the last five, six years. But um, yeah, a couple of people agreed to be my guinea pig free. Um, and so I arranged some music. And uh, at the time, it was when Game of Thrones was really popular. So I did a Game of Thrones arrangement for a Grand Prix. It did really well. People loved it. And I didn't have to start Equidance as a company. People just started coming to me because, of course, people work with people and talk to people and train people. And, and all of a sudden, I was in a situation where I was saying to Kelly, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quit my contract teaching and uh, not go back after the summer uh, vacation. I'm just going to concentrate on this, I think, and see where it goes. And I think anyone else who knows me, I mean, the rest is history. Uh, up until this flipping pandemic, it's been an incredibly successful model. Um, hopefully we've come across as fresh and funky, doing something a little bit different, putting smiles on people's faces, and also um, helping to grow the sport, which we're really passionate about doing. Um, so that's kind of the way it's been going up until this point. What a Wow, uh, I love that. I just love the way whenever I talk to anyone who's a great entrepreneur or really good at what they do and really passionate, there's always these, they're sort of falling apart and then they get knocked a certain way and they go, oh, I don't know why I went there, but I did. And then they get knocked another way. And then at some point, it just all sort of comes together and they think, oh, this is why I had to do this, this and this to get to <laughs> yeah. here. And I love it. And and that's what that sounds like. And I, I, you know, I was absolutely killing myself when you were talking about the type of music that used to be around. <laughs> I literally sit there going, "Oh, not not Madonna again, please, <laughs> please, not this song again." Literally, I mean, I love dressage music, and I've run regional events and things where, I, and I've been the one that presses play on the CD, which is a really scary job, by the way. I'm sure you're aware of this. It's a really outdated uh, flipping medium CDs. We're, well, we're apart from running out. We're lobbying yeah. all the venues and everything to go MP3 now because it's yeah. stable. I mean, yes, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> out of panics there have been when the CD didn't play, you know, uh, or yeah, you sat there with your finger hovering over the play button, waiting for them to wave their hand. They wave yeah. it, you hit play, and nothing happens, and nothing. It's just the most heart sinking moment. But you know, or it's, it's the wrong person's like, music. <laughs> sorry. Oh yeah. <laughs> never did that. Luckily, never did that one. But yeah had one once where it wasn't a continuous track it was three different tracks for the music and it stopped after the first track and wouldn't continue on <laughs> so she oh, stood no. in the middle of the arena looking at me and I'm like well I can't I don't know so no, uh, 
know. There's but been some horror stories, absolute horror stories. I mean, only yeah. recently, uh, Anna Ross on, on Dotty, her, her Grand Prix horse, uh, at Kiso, at, at, at the International there. Um, and she was um, singing the music because the CD stopped. So it, set, it kept skipping and then it just stopped. And she was like, la, la, da, 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 as she was doing extended truck across the diagonal. It's absolutely hilarious. But it shouldn't happen, really, because people spend a lot of money getting their horses to competitions and a lot of money on their music sometimes. So really, it's not much to ask for the venues to be reliable with the, the equipment. But I'm not going to go into that right now. No, no, that's not what it says about. Um, but yeah, it certainly, it did seem to be a lot of, by the end of the day, it was like, if I hear that track again, I'm going to cry. And then obviously this was pre-Equidance because there were a lot of people <laughs> doing very similar stuff. And then it was quite an obvious, actually, it was quite obvious when you came along because I think... There was a particular piece of music which you're very well known for, wasn't there, really? Is that the Muse one? Yeah. yeah. Everyone loves that. That was at the Nationals and uh, Anne-Marie Borkeppers on uh, Team Penguin, I call them. Fabulous, fabulous horse. This horse, uh, he trots like a show pony from the shoulders. He's like, it's incredible movement, quite different looking. Uh, and I was doing, I was around her doing a clinic with her and a few friends. Uh, and I asked her, oh, what sort of music do you like? And she goes, well... I, I love Muse, but of course we can't use Muse for freestyle. And I was like, I love Muse too. Why not? Um, he's got a really powerful movement. We can put some really powerful music to him. Uh, and so that uh, we did. And she went through and won the regionals and got through to uh, the nationals, the winter nationals at Hartbury with it. And I said to her, are you absolutely sure that you will still want to use Muse in Hartbury International Indoor Arena? And she's like, yeah, it's got us this far. We've had good marks for it. Why not? And so um, I remember I was filming because I go up and film all my clients at the Nationals if I can, uh, just to give them something back. Um, and uh, the music came on and I, I, everything went quiet. And I've never seen so many jaws drop. <laughs> and, and I love that. I love a disruptor. I love it when <laughs> something different comes along and it works. It's not so ideal when something different comes along and it doesn't work. Um, but I think it really started to change the landscape of music when these different pieces were heard, when something was a bit newer and fresher or memorable. Yeah. Um, so what's been your favourite piece that you've put together, do you think, maybe other than the Muse one, but what's been your favourite bit that you've done? Ah, oh, um, do you know what? I love them all because I won't let them leave the studio unless I love them too. Uh, so I'm very eclectic in my taste of music. I really love everything from Brahms to banging beats. So um, anything really that works to get out together well and with the horse. Um, but of course, that's that's a bit of a, a, a grey area and very subjective anyway, what, what works with the horse. Often it's purely down to um, footfall and actual girth of the sound. So, you know, the bigger track you can use on bigger horses and some of them lighter, more freely moving can do with something a lot lighter and and dancier, but um, yeah, I don't know, so many. I think the soundtrack ones are the ones that I love the best. Um, there's one that I did for Sadie Smith, and it was Aquaman, it was a Grand Prix, which is always really hard to edit because there are so many changes. And of course you've got all that faffing, um, Piaf and Passage as well, which is the only time you get a 120 tempo into an arrangement because of course everyone thinks their horse trots 120 beat per minute, but it doesn't, it's 140 to 170, you know. But that piece really came together with these lovely swells. It's a, it's a great composer. Uh, Aquaman's a, a really funny film anyway, but it just had these huge crescendos on her lovely uh, extended paces on the canter and on the trot. 
um, and plenty of scope for putting in really nice, uh, poignant parts for the, the double pirouette she had in as well. So it, yeah, I like, I like that because you think about music that's written for film or TV, um, which also I've done uh, a fair bit of as well. Not as, not as much as many of my friends do, but I've done some of that. Um, but music that's written for film or TV uh, has to fit what's going on with the drama. For example, if there's a, a car chase scene and no music, there'd be very little if no drama at all. You know, if you've got to bring in that tense, fast kind of music. If there's um, a very poignant scene where, you know, someone maybe has just lost a loved one and someone gives them a hug, unless those strings come in, you don't well up. If it was just quiet with their, their talking mics open, it would be like, uh, I'm, I'm not getting my cues here for the emotion. So, you know, your hairs don't stand up on end and you don't well up at a point in the film. And believe me, I don't think there are many films I don't cry at. I'm such a blinking softy. But that music really brings the drama to the freestyle. Um, so unless it's, I mean, you can do, even with 80s pop, you know, if someone wants uh, Wham and Madonna, as you say, you can still arrange it in a way that it brings drama uh, and that you rearrange the music so it fits the floor plan really well and it all comes together. So <clears throat> who are your favourite type of people to work with then or types of horses or have you not got a particular one? You know, what, what is the type of person that you love to work with? Oh, Cobbs and Connies, all the, all the way. I, I love riding club. I mean, there's no one. I love working with everyone. I don't think... I think I fell out with one woman once. Uh, it wasn't intentional uh, at all. Um, I, I, she was just quite awkward to work with. Um, so I just sort of went along, oh, I don't think I'm gonna be able to help you, but I hope everyone else has had a really positive experience. But I love following the one horse owner, riding club, go out, get it, do something different, smile on their face, pat on the back, kick on. They love it, Cobbs and Connies. And do you know what, some of the, some of the best like uh, arrangements that I think I've done are with horses that are really expressive, like Frisians, um, you know, where they've got long manes or traditional types, uh, you know, so uh, fluffy cobs, I love them with, with fluffy feet. They just really seem to dance along. If you put like a, a, a cob with long hair to some 1940s like uh, bebop or something, it just, it just puts a smile on your face. So there's that, but then of course you can't not love working with these gorgeous, you know, warm bloods that uh, come in big and black and elegant uh, because they just ooze style and class and quality and the music just fits perfectly with them, you know. But there's a, there's a music for everyone. And you know what? It's not just about the horse. Um, we, we say and we stand by this that you've got to love your music. Um, so it's not just about what, what will suit your horse and we're not just going to tell you what you're going to have because um, you've got to love it because we believe that if you love your music, um, you will ride better because you're happier. And we, we know that. You'll know that from a mindset coach perspective. When you're happier and more confident riding, you tend to ride better. Uh, the days you ride bad are the, the days you're in a bad mood or, or feeling a bit down. Is that is that right? Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. And and the things that I've done with dressage music, so I'm a, a one horse riding club, you know, low level BD owner. Um, and yeah. I've loved, loved, loved my my dressage music journey. And um, you know, I, I my first piece of music was on um, an Arab cross quarter horse, Monty, and we did it to, to um, Dire Straits. Oh, um, love Dire Straits. You know, Walk of Life and. Um, 
oh some of the other bits and pieces i think um forever in blue jeans was another piece that was in there for the canter and so it wasn't yeah. all them obviously but yeah. it was just i loved it and it was really interesting with him because he loved that bit of music because it was a bit rocky and he, he had a little bit of an attitude you know and he yeah. just loved it and i think then when i went on to my big bay mare we actually got to the riding club nationals with our music you have to listen to it a lot <laughs> You know, I literally had it on in the car every single place I went so that I knew the music because it's all very well with dressage to music, riding a floor plan, but I don't think I've ever ridden my freestyle the same way twice no. uh, because the arenas ride differently or there might be a slightly spooky corner you've got to be aware of or the, the horse might be different or that, that one might be a bit deeper or, you know, a bit... Um, best, best advice ever. Yeah, yeah. Right. You know, you may have a floor plan in your head, but when you go out and ride it, you ride the music, yes. not your corners, not your markers. Forget yeah. them. So you Just, have to know yeah. that music. You have to know when yeah. a change is coming or when a fiddly bit's around or when you should be, if you're doing the medium for it to look really, you know, expressive or whatever. Yeah, um, and in fact, it was interesting the other day I was schooling and I just put on a playlist and on in that playlist popped in my two my two favourite pieces, the one from him and the one from her that got me to the Nationals. And it just made me smile and it brought back all those lovely memories. And that was on a horse that he doesn't fit any of that music. In fact, we need a new piece of music. So Tony will be in touch soon um, because we're going to crack on at elementary with my new boy. And he's a, a middleweight hunter who right. is not a dressage horse, but he moves quite nicely. But yeah. he's he's a real like um, he's a show off, um, but yeah. he's not expressive in his movement. So how would you match? You know, he is a show horse. He goes in and goes, oh, hi, I'm gorgeous. I'm serious. You should know yeah. this. Um, without a doubt, he is a show horse, which is great because that's what we do. Um, but he isn't sort of expressive in his movement. He's a he's a he's a hunter. You know, there's no sort of flicky toes or anything there. Yeah, how do you how do you match that kind of thing up? Well, once you've got, if you find something that, that actually fits really well, um, anyway, tempo wise, and of course, um, there are minor adjustments you can make with that anyway in the, uh, with the equipment um, without uh, altering the quality too much, which you don't want to do. But yeah, once you get it matching and everything fits with the footfall, we call it in the pocket. And then it, it looks, it looks, because the rhythm's going with the feet, it can look more kind of expressive. But then, of course, we have the build. So if, you, if your medium isn't really there yet, uh, it doesn't doesn't matter. The mediums come later. You know, um, there's there's all the lateral work you've got to do at elementary as well. But if the medium isn't there yet, we certainly would have the chorus, for example, um, across the diagonal uh, where you do the medium or down the long side or wherever you put it. Um, so it, it gives the perception of more medium than there may be. Uh, and sometimes I know when a medium is being attempted on the videos that are sent to me simply because the riding gets more frantic. <laughs> so I can tell what's going on. But uh, yeah, it, it's fitting the music to make sure that it, it works with the horse. And, and you know, there's a musical interpretation mark. Uh, it's not just about how good your music is uh, or how well it fits your horse. Musical interpretation mark, which is an elementary um, four times, you know, it's, a, it's got a coefficient of four, which is a lot of points. That's 40 points right there. The second half of it is what people forget, music and interpretation. So you've got to ride the music back, interpret the music with your movements, which, as you said correctly, means if you've got to change it on the fly because the surface is riding differently or he's more forward on the day or whatever, then you have to do that. Um, but as for choosing what styles of music, I have to see the I'd have to see the horse. <laughs> 
Okay. <clears throat> so how do you then go about picking the star for that horse? So what, what's the process? Do you have a conversation with the owner? Because if they've got to yeah. really like it, that type of music might really fit that horse. But the owner goes, oh, God, no, please yeah. don't give me that. Like, I've got a little bit of that. Like, I can't do Elvis. Don't just don't ever. I just can't do it. If, if I have to listen to that, I'll, I'd rather scrape my nails down a blackboard, you know. But it might really suit my horse, for instance. So how do you go about having that conversation to make sure that combination is right? Well, that's the first stop. So there's two ways that, that we work at the moment. Um, we have the online orders. Um, if you do an online order, then you will send a video in and then Mrs. Equidance will call you to talk about the music. Uh, and if you have a clinic, of course, we choose the music on the day. I film the floor plan with you. We may maybe tweak a little bit and then we pick the music on the day, which is quite cool. Um, but when either of us talk to you, the first thing we will say is what don't you want? Because it's much easier to whittle down to uh, something that, that that suits everybody by saying what, what do you not want? Because we definitely don't want that. There'd never be an instance where I say, no, 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 you have to have something like that. Uh, because we can always find something that you'll like that will go with the horse and the test. And of course, don't forget all the pieces that go into a freestyle arrangement have to actually make sense together. Um, so they have to be uh, similar in style and genre. Um, don't have to be exactly the same, but they have to be similar in style and genre. So um, once you've found one piece of music, maybe for the canter, then it's much easier to go, right, we're on this style now. So let's have a look and explore some of the boundaries of this style and other things that you like. It might be just an artist that they love, um, you know, or it might be a style of music like epic or uh, hip hop or whatever that we can then once we've got a style we can we can work from that style and, and get together the rest of it um, and put it together quite quite easily really but what will happen is kelly will send uh, for an online uh, virtual order which is uh, great because you've got plenty of time to, to think about it kelly will send ideas as links um, and then you listen to them and should get back to them and say, well, yeah, I love that, love that. Not sure about that. Have you got any other ideas for the walk? It's like, yes, no problems. We've got this, this and this. And then it doesn't take long before we've got uh, the minimum of three tracks that we need, which would be your walk and your canter and your trot, of course. Um, if you've got uh, a Grand Prix horse, then you need to think about Piaf and Passage as well. And if you want to have a different piece of music for your intro, you can also have that. And it can be totally uh, nothing to do with the rest of the music because you don't get marked. Your intro music, it can be like your designer label, you know, or this is me moment. <laughs> I love that, the this is me moment. And I think uh, actually the intro music is is possibly sometimes the most important bit because if we're going to talk about, you know, um, the psychology of it and things, it was interesting, just going back to a point earlier and then I'll come back to the intro music, but when you were saying about in a film, um, my my husband and I, we sit and we're watching Designated Survivor at the moment on Netflix. Right. And there's definitely some boring episodes and then there's some fairly interesting ones. And um, we sit there and they're talking about something and the music and we're going, oh, this is going to be a sabbat coming up. We can tell here comes the music's telling us or oh, yeah. this is going to be a really interesting conversation. Or oh, he's the bad guy because the music's telling us he's going to be the bad guy. And it literally, it kind of gives you the clue, like you said, what yeah. is coming. And I think I've certainly sat and written for enough judges all the way up to Grand Prix for the freestyle. Yeah. And they've gone, um, was that supposed to be a medium? Was that supposed to be an extension? Oh, I don't know if it was. Well, we'll put a mark down just in case it was, and then we'll see what comes back up later. But of course, if in your music you can be going, ta-da, here yeah. it comes, it's really obvious. Then they'll be like, oh, I think that was supposed to be a medium because the yeah. music was telling me that that's yeah. okay. So we can help the judges as well, can't we? Really, really hard job judging freestyle. 
the higher the level, the, the harder it gets, uh, because not only are you looking all the time, uh, because you don't know where things are happening. Well, it, it's not strictly true at Grand Prix now, FEI, you have to hand in your test in advance. It's not so that um, you, you have to ride it exactly the same, just so you roughly know where things are going to be to make the judging fairer. Um, but you've got to look out for a certain set of movements, then you've got to mark those movements, and then they may reattempt. For example, if you did a line of two-time tempi changes um, uh, at Grand Prix and then uh, it didn't quite work, then you can fit it into a joke line later on, and then they've got to mark it again so you get the best average. So there's all sorts of, of, of crazy things you've got to do judging freestyle. So, yes, we can help them and help them with the music, but also with symmetry. So the floor plan design is, is uber important. Again, you get marks on inventiveness um, and uh, from medium upwards, you get a degree of difficulty too. So uh, the floor plan, you can be really creative with, but keeping symmetry with the floor plan and the music really helps the judges. So say for an uh, example, from an elementary, uh, you can maybe come in at uh, trot uh, and you do your circle, uh, and then you do a, a line and some shoulder in uh, and then some leg, leg yields, and then you do exactly the same on the other rein uh, on the opposite side of the arena. So they know kind of what's coming up and we can help cue that with the music. Interesting you say about the film and TV music, those are actually called cues. So when you're working on, on a TV or film, you have a whole list of cues and that cue is the cue for the music to come in and it's the, uh, yeah, it cues the emotion, doesn't it, every time. Ah, so we, so if we're going for, you know, basic level of music is it's got to fit your horse, it's got to fit the football, it's got to fit your full plan, great. Then we can go up into much higher nuances and things and we can start playing with the psychology then as well with cues of mm -hmm. this is needs to be happening now, cues the rider, cues the judge. I yeah. had a lovely little bit. So I did have a little bit of... Um, because you are allowed a few words as long as they don't overtake. I mean, this is a real funny ground, isn't it? But I had... Yeah, well, you are. You are actually allowed. You are allowed to have vocals in it. I mean, the voice is the best instrument in the world. So why not use it a little bit? But I think the, 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 the rule of thumb is, and I don't think all the judges... Uh, no, not all the judges agree on this. They have different opinions, which is unfortunate because we need to have some parity, really. Um, the, 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 the ruling is that you can have singing in a piece as long as it doesn't uh, distract from the dressage. So as long as it's not like Celine Dion banging on her chest and singing My Heart Will Go On or some rapper talking about how they're going to pop someone in L.A., then it's, you know, I don't see the problem with it, especially to um, indicate uh, the chorus. Uh, there's one piece that I did. It was all Katy Perry music, and I just... I do this quite often. We get the backing track and I, and I get the vocal stems. Um, so it's all separate and I do a remix. So I use little bits of the vocal and put like distortion on it, some delays and some effects. So it's kind of there swimming away in the background. But you've got to remember a lot of contemporary music, um, really, if you take the vocal out, you've taken the melody out. So what have you got left? Just backbeat, which is just monotonous. You know, it's the same thing going round and round again. I think so many artists only use one chord these days throughout an entire song, and the melody just changes over the top of it. Um, so you need something in there. So that you can use vo vocals subtly, but I wouldn't use it all the way through because I think they'll just say it's too much. We use quite a few vocals, and I constantly get feedback um, from my clients. It's really important to know how things are being judged, and we haven't had any negative feedback about the vocals we've been using. So I think maybe it's being enjoyed. Um, but you can you can replace the, the melody. Of course, you can put in a violin or a cello. There's lots of versions um, by solo musicians that you can use. 
um, which can be quite nice, but you may have an aversion to the violin like some people do. Uh, but yeah, you can use some vocals. Uh, I think the interesting one though is when you can tell someone's used a, a vocal track because they really like it, and then they've gone and found the karaoke version, <laughs> which is stripped yeah. of the vocal track because you're meant to sing it. And you yeah. sort of you go, well, I can tell what this is meant to be. Yeah. But you've done it yourself, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've heard some really dodgy ones, and you get some really dodgy ones online. Um, some people, you know, just because. It's, it's nice to have uh, a violin, for example, played over a piece of music. It doesn't mean so you should do it and then publish it. <laughs> it's, it's just terrible playing. <laughs> okay, so let's come back to the intro music because that was we, we got digressed. But it's very it's yeah. really good to hear kind of your perspective and you know other people's perspectives on things. So the intro music, if we're going to talk about um, psychology here, we have something called an unconscious bias which is where um, in the unconscious part of our brain, we are, we are looking for certain things. They're also called filters. If that, It's more useful to kind of think of it as a filter, which is your brain is always filtering things out. And if you, if you set that filter to a certain point, it is like when you get a new car and then suddenly everyone's got that car because your filter is set. So that's your unconscious bias is to notice that car everywhere. Yeah. So you can play about with the psychology of this with judges. And I always say this to people like when you're going around the outside and the judge might be writing their notes and things, they're still half aware of you. Don't go doing something really awful in front of them at that point in time because they'll clock it. They'll see it. And although they're not allowed to mark on it, what happens? You set their unconscious bias. So you can do the same with your intro music, can't you? You can set it to the we're here. You need to watch us or they, this is going to be really good fun or look yeah. how beautiful my horse is or aren't we stylish? Whatever mood you want to set, that intro can be so important. What? How do you play about with that? Yeah. So um, we always give people the option. Uh, obviously, it's, it's nice if you're if you're starting in trot in your test for example um you come in you hold to x just that you know just for the, the sake of it and then you start in trot it's quite nice to come into the same piece of music if you're coming in at trot uh, and have a nice boom on the halt and then continue in trot with that piece of music but some things like uh, let's think this i've done some wonderful sort of like film arrangements for younger riders uh, on ponies um, and it's always nice to have some spoken word in there in the in the gaps so we often have like a quote from a film uh, or or me or Kelly record, you know, what they want to be said. There was one lovely little rider um, and she wanted positive, um, positive kind of well-being phrases. Uh, I can't remember what they were, but it was really nice. You know, uh, you can be the best you can be and, and stuff like that. And one of those was in the, in the first halt. And you just look at this little girl riding in with this pony with this positive affirmation of a statement. And it's just great. It sets it up beautifully. Or you can just have a bit of fun. Like we did a James Bond one. Uh, you know, it's one of the ones that has been done a lot, but not so much recently. Um, and came into the James Bond theme, you know, dun, 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 It didn't foot, fit the footfall, but it doesn't matter. You're setting it up for a beautiful Bond arrangement. And then a, the kind of like muffled gun goes off on the halt. Uh, and then it goes, was it, um, uh, hello, sir, yes, what can I get you? And he goes, uh, a martini, shaken, not stirred. Or no, was it, the name's Bond, James Bond. And I put like a, a delay and reverb on it. So it's really dramatic. So yeah, you can really set them up. Don't be scared to use novelty elements, things like quotes from films. Um, or we had that, uh, that, that's all folks from the cartoons. I've had that, that worked really well. Um, that uh, went to the nationals with BRC, actually, that, that, that lovely uh, Looney Tunes arrangement. So yeah, novelty elements are good. And by novelty elements, I don't mean um, strapping dragon's wings to your horses 
uh, and coming into how to train your dragon or like that. but within the music you can be playful you can have some fun if that's how you want to play it some people want just to be a lot more serious about it and do more thoughtful and elegant and epic music but some people just want to have some fun so you can put those quotes in uh, and set up the intro really well Cool. Okay, so we've had a question come in actually, which is, this is really lovely. Have you ever had horses that don't respond positively to certain types of music? Ah, now this is a question. <laughs> right, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bear my bear my all on this one. So, <clears throat> and probably open myself up for some criticism. Um, I believe that horses uh, sometimes, like humans, are sensitive to certain frequencies. Uh, more than others. So, you know, some people can't stand the feeling of cotton wool if you crunch it in your hands. Some people can't stand uh, fingers down a chalkboard. Uh, there's all sorts of different things. My nine-year-old son has got a real aversion to paper being rubbed together. So that's his, oh! So I think horses, as, as sentient beings too, I think they, they have certain frequencies which they're not so, um, not so happy about. Um, and I think that uh, certain systems can set them off uh, if, the, if the frequencies are wrong. If we set up um, a, a sound system in an arena, which we, we do that quite a bit, and we sell systems as well, um, we've, I equalize it with some of the frequencies dipped down a little bit. And these have been the frequencies that um, we found horses are really sensitive to. And that's between one and two kilohertz, which is kind of you know, high mid-range, kind of crunchy sounds, uh, and the ultra-high frequencies. Um, so we can get rid of those, and they seem to be a lot happier. Um, People have told me that their horses like certain sorts of music over other sorts of music. I'm not convinced. Uh, I'm sorry, folks. I'm not convinced because, you know, watching horses, I watch an awful lot of horses ride to music and clinics and all sorts. I'm, I'm not convinced. I think it might be that you're loving it so much, therefore you're getting into your riding a little bit more. Um, maybe. I, I, I'm happy to be proved wrong. Maybe I should have asked Dr. David Marlin about this the other day when I interviewed him. But um, yeah, I think horses generally just enjoy riding with the music. That seems to be a common thread. Um, but I've had people say to me, oh, I played this one particular song and my horse couldn't stand it. And I'm like, I'm not sure. I, I've not come across that in my professional capacity. <laughs> I think in my experience, which is nowhere near your professional capacity at all, but um, from the experience that I've had, I think horses are picking up on the vibration um, yeah. when, you, when, when you've got speakers and things like that. And I think, um, I don't know whether it's that they like that type of music or not, but I think certainly a certain rhythm they might settle to maybe a bit more because it's more kind of them or it might be, it might rush them a bit or whatever. I mean, I know they don't have to ride to that rhythm, but I think there's probably some psychology that goes on behind that of, you know, when you're rushing a horse up its rhythm, yeah. it maybe gets a bit more anxious about it. I yeah, think I definitely I have seen horses respond not very well to very screechy violin or very screechy guitar or something because it's mm. not it's not a nice sound potentially. Yeah, I think you're yeah. right that the the cracky noises yeah. probably if we think about it from a horse psychology perspective they've got to be able to spot a predator very easily and a sort of maybe a crack of a bush or a a, 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 a that kind of noise might be yeah. might put them on edge a bit more. So I think yeah you're right. I don't I totally agree with you from a perspective of a horse and human. You know, yeah. yes, okay, humans can like a certain type of music or not, but there'll be a reason why or resonate with them or something, or there'll be some kind of yeah. reason as to why. And I'm not quite sure. I think you're right. It, it's not it's not as deep as that, maybe with a horse, but sharp sounds. We'd never put like sharp, startling sounds into freestyle. You might get a nice boom, but it's always muffled. It's not like bang, it's like boom. 
you know? So it's not like a near and present danger. And a, a horse is a flight animal, as you, as you just said. So we've got to make sure we're not going to do anything that's going to spook. And sometimes I even uh, filter and frequency out certain parts of the music. You said about the violins, I'm always taking that one to two kilohertz down a little bit to hollow out the violin sound, because I have found that those frequencies seem to be the thing uh, that, that if anything's going to cause a problem, it'll be that around those frequencies. However, acoustic ears, here's an interesting point. So I've just got Kelly to get me two different pairs uh, and designs of a, what they call acoustic ears. I don't know why they call them acoustic ears, because acoustic is about um, uh, sound resonance. But uh, these ears, they're supposed to go over the horse's ears, you know, like with their hat, and they're supposed to block out um, sound and frequency. Now, I'm going to do an experiment with it because I want to know whether it's one of those things like magnetic boots or not. Uh, does it actually work? You know, so um, I, from an initial thing, putting it on the horse, it, it doesn't seal all the way around the ear at all. And you've just got kind of crochet work. So I don't think it's going to make actually that much difference. If anything, it could cause a different set of frequency resonances within the cone that's going over the ear that could confuse the horse even more than not having them on. I think they might be a bit of a placebo. Hey, the thing with the placebo though is if the rider thinks the horse is going better, the rider's going to ride better, you know, like. <laughs> You're absolutely placebo, right, of course. It? You know, where, where do we go from there? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think it's interesting though. Um, I'm not sure what the current standing is it because they were banned then they weren't then they were. Um, as to whether you're allowed to use them or not now? I, I, I wouldn't be able to tell you. I'm not really up on no. that. So the rule book I think you can use the don't... ears but not plugs, I think, at the moment. Right, yes. I think plugs would be a bit cruel though. I, I guess, you know, the horse is gonna think, what have I got in my ears the whole time? It's gonna be on its toes. So I wouldn't I wouldn't go that far with the horse anyway. Maybe that's why people use them, but <laughs> okay. So yeah, like, like putting bandages on, isn't it? It's like, hey, here I am. <laughs> it's like all sorts of things some people do, absolutely. Um, and you know, hey, look, who are we to criticize sometimes when you don't know what's driving people? But I'm okay, not, I'm so, not getting into the training, the whole no, training thing. No, that's not, that's not, neither of us are experts in that. Um, so when it comes to equidance, you say you're quiet at the moment. That really surprises me because, I mean, I know the, the competitions and things aren't going on, but, you know, I was thinking the other day, right, do you know what? I'm getting a bit bored. I need some stuff to go and do. Actually, now would be a perfect time to start thinking about my music, start thinking yeah. about what I want to do with it this year, whether or not I'm going to have competitions or not. It doesn't matter. Once you've got a piece of music, you've got your bit of music. It doesn't expire. You can use it for as long as you like. You can. Yeah, there, there is. So one of the things that we've had a lot of people phone us up or, or get in touch with me and say is, I, I need music, but I'm, I'm training so much at the moment. And we're training, say, for example, up to advanced medium. Uh, I'm training the changes. Uh, his medium paces are coming on or her medium paces are coming on. And the trot will change tempo. I mean, I've watched it with Dandy, our, our Spanish cob. Uh, his trot, as the training has got more intense and he's working up to advanced medium now, has got considerably slower. I mean, we're talking from 175 BPM down to about 143. So it's a huge change because he's stronger and he's able to collect uh, and lower his tempo um, and, and look really quite nice with it, actually. It's uh, quite surprised. But as you train through, if you've got your music, say, for example, uh, in, in November and you haven't been able to go out and do any competitions, but you've been training a lot with your horse, then you may well find that your your trot isn't going to fit, or you may well find that you want to go up a gear and move up a level, so you need a new a new music anyway. So I think people are holding off until they know when the competitions are, so that they can gauge when to get their music done. And a lot of people are procrastinating, 
<laughs> of course. But also, you're gonna, you'll be able to tell me more about this. I know that I felt it. My creativity has hit the floor, especially on this second lockdown, because of well, just feeling depressed, really, and claustrophobic. And every time I do a freestyle, I mean, I get into it. But to try and get into it is, is, is getting really hard. You know, I'm really looking forward to getting back out and meeting my clients and, and being on clinics and stroking the horses, you know, and meeting all these wonderful horses. Um, and it, it just gets you down. So I think a lot of people are down as well. Um, it's one of the reasons we do our show on Friday nights is to cheer people up at least once a week and give them something to smile and have fun with. Um, and I've had a lot of feedback from clients to say that they're feeling really low at these times. So when they're feeling low, it's not the time they want to be creative with a floor plan. And, you know, they, they know they want to do it. They just haven't got the, the get up and go to make it happen at the moment, I think, a lot of people. Yeah, that makes total sense. Actually, I hadn't really thought about it that way. And that's very true, actually, isn't it? That, that you know, at the moment, the one thing we are probably doing a lot of is training. <laughs> so yeah. we have a further. And so that makes me think, then, how long does it take for you to put together um, your a piece of music and things? Because we know it's going to happen. Um, sport is going to start resuming. We're going to start finding out when qualifiers and things are going on. People are going to start going back into it. And then mm. people are going to go, oh, I need my music now. So, yeah. you know, how, how long do people need to kind of have in their head and plan if that's what they want to be doing? So we, we offer two, two levels of surface for that. Uh, if you don't mind me talking shop, because I can explain it better this way. Uh, we do the standard, the standard waiting list is, is normally six weeks. Now, that's because uh, from, from when you've ordered it and put your video in and then you've got to choose the music with Kelly. And um, Kelly's also doing a PhD and we've got three kids. So, you know, this is uh, at the moment, it's, it's not a very well-oiled machine at home. Um, you always have it within that six weeks. At the moment, it may even be just a couple uh, to fit around everything else we're doing. But there's also a fast track service and the fast track service uh, guarantees it within 10 working days of when we receive the video. So a lot of people are kind of last minute, especially my upper level riders, you know, oh, I've got an international in two weeks, and need some music. So it's like, we've got the fast track for that, which is a few quid extra, but it guarantees you get your music on time. And it, what it buys you is overtime. So I'll work into the night uh, or I'll work uh, on my one day off, which is usually a Sunday. Uh, I don't really get days off. You know, it's like being self-employed, but uh, yeah. So that's the sort of time scale. And yes, we are a bit concerned that everyone's going to come in at the same time wanting music. Uh, we kind of know it's going to happen. So what I've done is I've trained up, uh, he used to be my sound engineer, a guy called Tarrant. I've been doing some intense online training with him in dressage so that I've got someone who can manage the files, um, get things in place for me so that I can edit them a lot more efficiently. So we can try and get everyone's done in the time they need it done. But I know it's going to be a busy time. So if anyone's listening, and wants their music, get in now and you'll get it in a couple of weeks. Uh, but in a couple of weeks' time, it may be two months. <laughs> That's, yeah, who knows? I mean, if we, get, if we get 60 orders come in all at once, which is a possibility, it's mm. happened before, um, mm. then it's kind of, yeah. <laughs> And I think I think we all know that this is going to come in many ways, you know, because we're so restrictive right now that as soon as they start allowing things to open back up again and we've got an idea of dates and we've got an idea of things going on, that, that's going to happen to a lot of a lot of people and it's being ready and geared up to do that. Um, so, yeah. yeah, cool. Yeah, let's, well, let's hope so anyway. I mean, we've, what we've done is uh, my other skill set is production, so um, audio-visual production. So I, I'm, I'm a sucker for a camera. I'm a proper camera geek. I mean, you might, I've even got 
think I've got a vintage lens just sat here randomly. So um, we film and I've got a lovely drone that I'm licensed to fly. And we've got little different rigs and, and different Osmo sort of oh, all the gear and all the ideas. That's what we call it. So we've been doing some videoing for um, a stud and for some stallions, uh, sort of like we call them stallion Tinder profiles. And just up in the game, really, of making equestrianism look absolutely awesome. Because we've noticed a lot of the the, the sort of content created uh, across the channel in Europe is really slick and looks beautiful. But I think a lot of the content uh, in, in the UK uh, just seems to be a that'll do sort of thing or, or made by themselves. So we've put together a service for people who want something really spectacular, whether it's an advert for their... Um, their instruction yard or whether it's a, an advert for uh, an event or, or a corporate video or whatever, we've, we've, we've got a really slick thing going with equestrian.media now, um, well worth a look at if you're interested in that sort of thing. And again, like with our philosophy, making it affordable, not charging through the nose, um, making it affordable. And hopefully that's with the same with Equidance that um, uh, we make it as affordable as possible so everyone can have a go. I love that absolutely and and you know so much more now is online and it does need to look a bit more a bit more slick nowadays like you say depending on what you're doing um because people are now used to that level aren't they you know look at youtube now compared to what it used to be like yeah. it's, it's getting really quite professional now you know facebook yeah. you can get away with things a little bit more instagram maybe but really it if you want to stand out now as a business you need to be looking a bit more slick don't you yeah, especially in the horse business. I mean, <clears throat> there was a story that I had um, a, a chap, a meeting with a chap yesterday, a uh, really lovely guy. Um, and he's he's very high up in equestrian retail, um, very high up. And I didn't know that at the time, actually. But he was talking about a breeder um, uh, in uh, the Middle East from uh, Doha uh, who'd come over. He really wanted to buy this horse in the UK. Uh, and he came over. Uh, and was supposed to be met at the uh, airport with, with, by someone from the from the uh, yard and wasn't. So he got a taxi to the yard and no one was there. And so the groom showed him this horse and it wasn't even like platted up or anything. Uh, and then the owner turned up and said, oh, I've only got five minutes. And, and that was it. And I think, you know, you're not going to sell horses. That guy could have written a check for two million quid for that horse there and then. But there doesn't seem to be that attention to detail and that passion for making them look incredible. So we're on a bit of a mission uh, to to up the the look of the of the whole of the whole British breeding scene, really, which has been great because I've got to know them over the last couple of weeks really well because we've been streaming their online stallion show and we've been helping um, some of the owners of the stallions to make their their horses look wonderful, which has been absolutely a revelation. I loved it, really enjoyed it. <laughs> and what is it that you love about doing that then? What really ignites your fire and have you seen some of these stallions wow. they're just they're gorgeous honestly they're gorgeous so i was i was uh, i think i told you just before this we, i was down on staunton sands in north devon with my drone mm -hmm. filming um uh, a beautiful ginger stallion with the thickest neck galloping down the beach and also some slow of him um uh, sort of like uh, trotting through the water uh, on the edge of the sea uh, uh, it was just fabulous these beasts are incredible um, I love I love meeting horses, as you're probably well aware now. They're all so different. But uh, the stallions, they've got this certain presence about them, a certain look in their eyes. Um, and, yeah, I really, really enjoy working with stallions. It's great. Awesome. So lots going on at the moment then. Not your normal stuff, um, but other things that you're looking at diversifying and some real passions there as well. 
Yeah, well, I mean, Kelly's full, the one full of ideas. She's just mad for ideas all the time. Mrs. Equinance, for those who know her, um, will understand what I'm saying here, but she's nonstop. She's literally constantly coming up with ideas. So um, we ended up uh, over Christmas printing mugs. Uh, this is one of the mugs that I printed. It's got worms all over it, but just novelty mugs. Bought a little, sub, uh, what's it called? Sub dye printing press uh, and do those. Um, and then she started a clothing company randomly just before Christmas. Uh, called Equine, which literally are the best hoodies in the world, without doubt. So she's got that on the go as well. And there's always things, you know, we're just grafters. We just make things happen. And when you've got a mortgage to pay and kids to feed and, uh, you know, everything to stay on top of, then you can't just sit around. Whatever you're feeling like, you've just got to get up and crack on. Okay, so my final question then is, what is it that gets you up in the mornings doing that? Matilda. <laughs> my, my brother, three-nager. My three-year-old daughter gets me up in the morning. <laughs> no, I, I've got so much to do. There's so many deadlines. Today, I've got a deadline to edit a video, a very important video um, for a stud down in Devon. Um, and then I also have music to arrange for Sophie Christensen, uh, potentially for the Olympics that she needs by the end of the week as well. So deadlines, I've always got deadlines. I've got a list of things that I need doing um, all the time. So I, I just, I guess, uh, I just get up. I have a real coffee. Uh, I cook breakfast for everyone. I really enjoy having a cooked breakfast. And then uh, I get into the studio. I make it look as lovely as possible and just get on with my work. Awesome. Well, thank you so, so much. I think we've learned so much about what you do, your passions. Can't wait to meet Mrs. Equidance at some point. Might do an interview with her as well. Oh, do. She's fabulous. Absolutely yeah. fabulous. Her PhD cool. is really interesting in thermal imaging, so she can tell you a lot. She's pretty much the authority on thermal imaging in the UK now. Wow. Amazing. Fantastic. Yeah. Gosh, she really has got a lot of strings to that bow, hasn't she? Yeah. She's one of those super, super intelligent people. You know, really, I have to watch myself. She's so switched on. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, thank you so much, Tony. If people want to get hold of you for any of the things that you do, how, what's the best way for them to do that? So best best channel to contact us is uh, at Equidance. You can get to us through the website behind me here, www.equidance.co.uk. There's a contact me section. Um, Facebook, we're always on Facebook. So that's our biggest marketing stream really is Facebook. So you can contact me via Equidance on Facebook, which is huge now. It's got over 10,000 followers. So it's easy to find or message me directly, Tony Hobden. Um, it's just my face on the profile picture, but we love chatting. Just phone me, my number's on there. Just give me a ring um, anytime. Yeah, we love meeting people. <laughs> Fab, thank you very much. You'll probably be inundated now. And uh, fingers crossed we can get back to a bit of competing, a bit of dancing with our horses again, get some of that going, and really look forward to seeing gorgeous videos of stallions. Oh yeah, let's hope so. Let's hope let's take it on. I've got the... Um, what is it? Next week, it's the dressage stallion. So my, my favourites. So uh, we'll see what comes along. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Tony. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, it's great to just have your energy around as well. And hopefully anyone listening back onto this um, from the podcast as well um, will really have enjoyed hearing all about what you do. So thank you oh, so much. Thank you. Lovely to meet you. Angie, bye. Bye. And I hope you enjoyed this podcast as much as I did. If you want to listen to more of them, then please do follow us in Apple, in Google and on Podbean. Hack Your Mindset with Jenny is the name of this podcast. So please do subscribe, follow us and we look forward to you listening into our next one. Bye, everyone. Who got this? Who got this? You know you're going to rock this.